Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my co-host and fellow goof, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Andy? I'm swell. Hey, we've got a guest star. We do have a guest star. Our guest star is Joseph Myers. Joseph Myers is a graduate of the Spalding MFA School for Writing. Uh, and he has his podcast called The List Live. Uh, he's one of the co-hosts. Uh, it's a podcast on culture, society, and the experience of trying to thrive in a society that doesn't want us to survive, uh, which he does with his best friend and former college roommate, Jeremiah. Joseph, welcome to Once Upon a Disney. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yay! I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> so, Joseph. We let you pick the movie, so I'm wondering, why did you select 1995's A Goofy Movie? So, I picked this movie because I feel like it's, one, underrated, and two, I just have a lot of fond memories of a Goofy movie, of Goofy the character. Um, I used to have, like, this stuffed Goofy doll that I would bring everywhere, and I remember absolutely having a meltdown when I left the Goofy doll at my parents like friend's house that was an hour away and i was like we have to turn away like we have to turn around right now like you need to go get my goofy um and so I, yeah i just always had this connection to goofy and when i was thinking about like what movie would i want to talk about i was like 100 percent a goofy movie did they turn no around questions. to get did they turn around to get the doll uh, no they put it in the mail and i had Duh. to wait three days oh that is and i was just like <laughs> It just, a wreck. you know, as a kid, like that was just the worst thing ever that could happen, right? Like uh, <laughs> very much first world problems. But I was like, I can't believe I have to wait three days for my goofy. Like, what am I supposed to do? Aww. Well, he went on an adventure anyway. That's cool. Yes, absolutely. Okay, some key facts about the Goofy movie. A Goofy movie. A Goofy movie includes characters from Goof Troop, which ran from about 1992 to 1993 as part of the Disney Afternoon Programming Block. Um, the movie has an incredible slate of Disney voice actors. So Bill Farmer, Jim Cummings, uh, Pat Buttram, Kelly Martin, and of course a couple of fun faces in Polly Shore, Jason Marsden, Jenna uh, Von Oy, and one, of course, one of my favorite character actors of all time, Mr. Wallace Shawn, and uh, R&B artist Tevin Campbell, which is kind of fun. And the movie is dedicated to Pat Buttram, who a lot of people know probably as uh, the rather iconic Mr. Haney from Green Acres, but <clears throat> also from many other Disney movies like The Aristocats, Robin Hood, uh, The Rescuers, Fox and the Hound. Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and of course, a goofy movie. Um, he passed away right after uh, voicing the Possum Park MC. And so it's uh, Pat Buttram's final credit of a really a 50-year career in film and television. So mm. just a, just a, I mean, just that voice is something that we always kind of associate, I think, with some, you know, the, the goofiness of Disney films. And so it's, I think it's apropos that he's in this one. Yes. Uh, and I do want to point out that what I think is interesting is you could watch this movie without ever having watched a goof troop. Uh, mm -hmm. I would argue, uh, and, and not really miss anything there. Goof troop takes place chronologically before these movies. Max is significantly younger in those movies. Oh, his, okay. his relationship with his dad is less fraught. Yes. His dad sometimes embarrasses him, but his dad mm -hmm. is also still his hero at that point in the series. Uh, it's it's considerable. I mean, I don't want to say that it's more lighthearted than this, but the stakes of a goof troop are significantly less. The it still centers on the relationship between father and son, but not at as fraught and dramatic a time as as this movie does. So I'm gonna move us over to the Manish Tana, uh, Joseph, uh, and our audience who's who's joining us. I guess if you're a Goofy fan, you're just joining us for this one, so I'll explain it. Uh, the Manish Tana, uh, we ask the question at Passover, why is this night different from all other nights? And when I apply the Manish, when we apply the Manish Tana to a movie, we're asking, why does the movie start where the movie starts? 
Mm. Uh, Goofy and Goofy has been raising his son uh, for a while. Uh, what is it about today that makes it the day that uh, we're we're going to start watching the movie? And sometimes the Manish Tana is related to the inciting incident, and sometimes it's not. We're really talking about point of attack. Why is this where the story begins? Well, the dream sequence um, is interesting. I mean, there's sheaves of wheat and all of it. I mean, it's like definitely ripe with uh, fertility, right? And it, But the, it really showcases Max's big fear. And his big fear, I think, is that he's going to turn out like his dad and be prevented from finding true love because of it. I mean, he turns yeah. into his dad's, he starts to embody his dad's body and laugh his dad's laugh and... I think that is something that I think it's something that a lot of teenagers fear is like, yeah. oh my gosh, my you know my dad's so corny or my mom's so corny. I don't want to be like them, and so, oh my gosh, if I'm like them, then my whole world will end, right? I mean, yeah. minute one of this movie, they do so much so fast. Oh, they yeah. establish Max as our protagonist of the movie. Well, that that's not you usually establish your protagonist at the beginning. But they establish what he wants, which is Roxanne, and they establish what he is afraid of, that he will become goofy within like the first minute of the movie. It's all there. We know everything we need to know about Max at this point in his life before moving on uh, to what is the last day of school before summer. Right? Yeah. Uh I, I think it. I think it's really smart. You don't need to have watched however many seasons of Goof Troop there were in order to catch up here. Goofy's got a son. His son is afraid of being Goofy. What is also interesting about this opening is the fear of becoming Goofy is very real. Like, I feel it. If my dad was Goofy and I was worried that, you know puberty or what have you like or or genetics was going to make me into goofy like yeah you know like i i that nightmare works it completely yes. works i get it yeah i definitely get it as well i think it's interesting to see um i think like when i watched this originally i, I don't know how old i was the first time but even watching it as a kid and having that fear of like, oh my gosh, am I going to become a father? And like, um, it's just, it's real, right? And depending, no matter what age you watch this movie at, and I think there, you can have those connections to either Max's fear or even like thinking from Gooby's perspective of you, know, you want your son to become like you. You want your son to maybe be even better than you. Who knows? But I think there's a connection point for audiences of all age in that first minute of the movie. Well, and as a parent watching it, you're like, oh, wow, does my kid feel like this? I mean, there's this, yeah. just this moment where you're like, oh, wow. I, yeah. yeah, okay. That kind of, I, I think this movie, and I'll just say it from the get go, I think it's a wonderful film in helping parents understand early adolescence mm -hmm. because we really do look goofy to them. Even though we've been their hero, and I, you know, I, I'm not really super from. I've seen a couple episodes of Goof Troop. I haven't spent a lot of time with it, but I, you know, I remember when I could, you know, do things like blow on stoplights and they would turn green, and um, I had that kind of magic, right? Um, and I could do things that were, you know, we could spell out letters in alphabet soup, and and that was fun, you know. And now it's like, oh my god, come on, are you serious, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I can't believe you want to do this. And so as parents, like we get to see the whole of our children. We get to see them from the beginning. We get to see them to, you know, we get to see all of it. And they sort of have this amnesia about when we used to be cool, right? So I think it's a super, super fun, super fun opening. So I want to throw out uh, just one other thing. Max is going to do some stuff in this movie that we're not going to necessarily be on board for. He's going to make some choices uh, that we don't necessarily approve of, but this movie, but the, by starting the movie in this way, we know why he's going to make those choices. It doesn't come out. It, none of them comes out of left field. None of them become like, why is he doing this? We know, and we get it. Right. We forgive well, I, him. Right. Yeah. I I completely forget. Wait, wait till you hear what a monster I think Goofy <laughs> is in this movie. Uh, I'm so excited here. But. 
let's let's move into the plot. And uh, so I want to talk about the exposition and the inciting incidents. So the exposition of a movie is where we get all of the information we need to know about what the lives of the characters in the movie have been so far. Um, Mm -hmm. And the inciting incident is the moment where your movie really gets started. A a wrench is thrown into the movie and uh, like the characters are now dealing with the uncertainty. Their their plans have been disrupted and everything comes out of the inciting incident. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, as many Disney movies do, this this movie begins with a song that provides the exposition. Uh, ev- you know, it's been a rough year of high school. It's been important. This is everybody's looking forward to summer vacation. But also, also Max ha- is there's there's this um there's this recurring theme, uh, like about what you want today to be and what you want tomorrow to be. And there's this mm-hmm. shallow end of the song, which is, oh, I just want to have summer because I don't want to go to school anymore. But right. Max is is taking it a little more figuratively. And he's like, who do I want to be today? Who do I want to be tomorrow? Mm. Because we know he does not want to be goofy. So what would you say is the inciting incident of this movie? And I think if we want to go multiple choice on this one, there's a number of answers we could point to as the inciting incident. I know which one I like the best, but just because I like one the best doesn't mean I'm right. What would you say is the thing that happens that disrupts the lives of these characters and, um, and causes our movie to happen? Well, I mean, I think for me, it's like we see Max, we see what he wants, we see what he wants for his summer. He finally gets this kind of confirmation, right, that this crush he has is maybe two-sided and makes plans. And Goofy's like, yo, we're actually going to go on a road trip. And that it's like a, a world crashing for him. I mean, for, you know, a, a teenager, it's like, <laughs> this is the only thing I want to do. And now my dad is coming in the way of this one thing that I want. And so, yeah. No, I, I would go with that, Joe. I, I would actually say those are two separate answers, but they, they're on the same well, line. Yeah. So they both work. So yeah. you could say the inciting incident of this movie is Max asks out Roxanne and she says yes. Yep. Uh, and you could say the inciting incident of this movie is Goofy takes tells Max they're going on a road trip and he can't go yep. on the date. Uh, I, I would even, take even, but even before all of that, mm-hmm. there is a principal that makes a phone call that tells Goofy that Max is going to end up a dead gang member. An electric chair, right? Yes. Which is kind of over the yes. top, right? But it was like, like the, your worst fear as a parent. Like your worst fear as a parent is your kid's going to be dead and in jail, right? Like and all it's the so things. Specific. It's so specific. He's dressed like right. a gang, and Goofy's like gang member. What? Right. All you know. So this principal calls Goofy and kind of sets all of this in motion. And then Goofy is like, "What am I going to do?" And then there's a blue light special. There's a you know a, yeah. a nodding bobblehead. There's all this stuff, and Goofy goes, "I know what we're doing. I know yeah. what it is. I've got to save my boy." And, and Pete's already set the stage for how you do that. I would yeah, take that absolutely. answer too. I would also say if we wanted to go even earlier than that, today is the day where Max does his stunt and finally becomes cool at high school and realizes oh. that being cool is an option for him. Mm. It had never been before, but he's just pulled off this amazing stunt and that that lets him know he doesn't have to be the person he's been so far and that that could yes. be the inciting incident. I don't think Do you- my the answer I gave is the best answer. I think I think of the answers we've given, I would take them all on a test. But the best answer, what propels the movie is Goofy says to Max, we're going on a road trip because right. that is what the rest of the movie is going to be. That's true. Yeah. And thinking about um, what you just said, Larry, like he pulled off the stunt. Max doesn't even pull off the stunt that well. Like he no. crashes through the thing. And there's this moment where he's sort of paralyzed, like, 
oh crap, like if that didn't go according to plan, yeah. and then he sees Roxanne and he improvises and it all turns out okay. And yeah. I think that that whole thing, that I mean, it's so good. Like that, it's such great storytelling. That little moment really tells us what the rest of this film's going to be like. It's not going to go perfectly well, but yeah. eventually he's going to be okay. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, move, moving great forward, foreshadowing. Yeah, moving forward, we get to rising action and climax. Uh, rising action are all of the events that happen along the journey leading up to the <laughs> climax. And the climax is the moment where we feel the most dramatic tension. I, I usually say something along the lines, the forces of good and evil contend. I don't know that that's this movie, but it is the, <laughs> it is the, it is the place where we worry that if characters make the wrong decision, the movie will have a tragic ending. It's the do place, you, it's place where the stakes are the highest. Do you feel like but, there's evil in this movie though? Do you yes, feel like there's I any do. evil? I do I feel do. there's an evil in this movie and we'll get to that. Okay. Okay. Um, but but I'm going to throw out some things that I think we can pretty clearly say are rising action, uh, and then I'll then I'll throw out because I think there's a couple of places where we might point out the climax. Um, so rising action, uh, this initial conflict between Goofy and Max, where Max doesn't want to go on the camp on on the trip but has to. Uh, them driving in the car endlessly. Uh, them going to Possum Park. The oh my encounter. God, <laughs> <laughs> the encounter with Bigfoot uh, is oh, part yeah. of the rising action. Um, you know them them getting them getting to the hotel room. Where would you guys say the force the forces that are in conflict here are are at its high where the conflict is at its highest point, where where you feel like things are at its most tense. Where would you guys say the climax is? I would say so they get to the hotel finally after this like turbulent to say the least road trip um and even setting up like you know the on the open road the kind of song the very like goofy so excited about it and we really see that tension in comedy like right in front of us like Max is thinking about how he doesn't want to be there Goofy's all excited about the road trip they have these not so great experiences. They get to the hotel room and Goofy is yet again reminded by Pete to, you know, watch out for Max. Keep him under your thumb, I think is what he says. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the climax, sometimes I go back and forth. Sometimes I feel like the climax is when Goofy finds the map and sees that it's been altered and kind of just comes back to the room and doesn't say anything but then also when they're on the road trip again and goofy's like kind of hoping that max makes a different decision and he's like all right max i'm gonna follow your lead and it's very much like left or right and right is towards the lake they're supposed to be going to and left is towards the concert and both of them are having this really tense moment because goofy's like i know my son i wanted to make the right decision pete is wrong and Max is like, oh my gosh, like, am I really going to do this? Um, I told Roxanne I'd be at this concert. I don't want to let my dad down. Maybe I'm kind of having a good time. And he decides to go for the concert. And it's a big moment for both of them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I, I, yeah, I feel like, yeah, maybe another two-part answer. But... <laughs> <laughs> Though no, somewhere, somewhere in there is the climax, I would say. Cool. Andy, do you have a different answer? I do. Um, I think that that's still all, I would still call that all rising action because there's this mm. moment, but there's this moment when they lose the car at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> that's oh, so yeah. great. So great. <laughs> They're sitting there. It's just like, you know, and there's echoes of like vacation or like, you know, the movie, you yeah. know, kind of road movies where things just, everything goes to, you know, heck. And yeah. Goofy tells Max um, after that, like there, Max finally tells his dad about Roxanne, and before you know, they almost die over this waterfall. Max saves Goofy with the perfect cast, right? Mm, yeah. And so, getting to the, then they're on the concert, and it's like the dramatic question sort of shifts because now it's like, can 
is Max going to be able to make good on this lie? Yeah. So it, it's kind of tricky because there's a couple of different dramatic questions here. One, it's, you know, can Max and Goofy reconcile? Two, can Max keep the girl and make good on his lie? So if you're looking at that being like two separate, it's almost like two separate movies are going on at the same time. And so yeah. if and it's so clever, it's so such great writing. If so, I would say the Max would be when they get to the concert, they sneak backstage, and then it's like, will they? Won't they? Will they? Won't they? And then, yep, he's on stage with with uh, with what is the? Oh my gosh, power, I just power, power line. Power line. Sorry, I, I was like, he's Come on, on stage with. I was like, he's on stage with Prince, and I'm like, it's not Prince. <laughs> it's, it's definitely power not line. Prince. <laughs> Sorry, my it's early, folks. No, so. and, <laughs> and my answer is going to be, I wouldn't say any of your answers are wrong per se, but just that my answer is the best. And <laughs> okay, let's hear it. I'm, and, I'm no, ready for it. No, no, no. Uh, my answer is literally uh, the the fight between Goofy and Max, where the truth is being aired between the two of them, uh, where where they're literally going over a waterfall and they're fighting. The question mm-hmm. that this movie has been asking really is, is the relationship between Goofy and Max damaged beyond repair? Right. Um, and it's not, I don't really care whether Max gets up on the concert and dances with Powerline or not. I know that Roxanne really, really likes Max and it doesn't matter whether or not he does that. Like the, the tension, Max is feeling that tension. But the but the heart of the movie is not about Max and Roxanne. Uh, it's really about father and son. And in that scene where the truth comes out and their lives are literally put in danger, um, you know, it, it's danger as metaphor for the relationship. That's sure. the climax from me. Yeah. And the Powerline concert, at that point, I've already been promised my happy ending. Father and son have made up. It doesn't matter what happens from here on in. Yeah, well, and I also think there's a really beautiful moment when Max is does the perfect cast to save his dad, and yes. there's like a two second period where he thinks it's failed, right? And you see that terror and that fear, and maybe that realization, like, oh my gosh, my dad is so important to me, and have I just not been able to save him? And it's such a quick mm. moment, but when he does hook Goofy. And that relief goes over his face. It does answer your question, right, Larry? Like, this relationship can't be repaired because they have both realized the importance of it in that moment. Right. Yeah. Maybe Goofy goofy more so before that moment. But Max, in that moment, was like, this is worth saving and literally saves it, saves Goofy. Yeah, I you know, think we're really all saying, as much as I wanted to frame this as an argument, I think we're all really <laughs> saying the same thing. I just like being right. Fair enough. Of course, you you can be right. You can be right. I'll allow you that. Okay. So, one of the things I've noticed about this movie, and and we talked about in pre production, is Goofy. We've never seen, I've never seen Goofy like this. Now, I never saw Goof True. So, I can't really speak to that. Um, But I've seen, you know, dozens of Goofy movies. Or goofy shorts, right? Um, animated shorts where he's skiing, where he's in the Olympics, where he's mm-hmm. doing all these, you know, uh, with Mickey and the Beanstalk. Like I've seen him in all different kinds of character, and and he's kind of a one note character. He's just goofy. He is the comic relief, and yeah. and um, it concerned me <laughs> that I was going to watch a movie with somebody um, who is just kind of a one a one guy, and it starts sort of that way. Goofy's kind of in the bedroom and he's doing things with Max and, you know, but you also sense there's tension, but it's mostly the tension we sense on Max's side. The thing I love about this movie is that the, the character really gets rounded. Like Goofy, we, we start to learn a lot about Goofy that we've never known before. And I wondered if you guys had thoughts about that. Well, I would say um, we're talking about the difference between flat characters and round characters, right? Right. A flat character is a character that really, you know, the circumstances surrounding that character might might change, but the character is going to respond the same way no matter what. 
Uh, Andy, when we talked about, you know, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, uh, we talked about Dopey being sort of like a flat character. Dopey right. is always Dopey, but Grumpy uh, actually is round and has a variety of nuanced responses. Right. Uh, Goofy, like like Dopey, is a flat character in most mm -hmm. circumstances. He will have wild and wacky stuff happen to him, um, and, but but he himself is always the same. What makes Goofy round is not his circumstances. It's his supporting cast in this movie. Interesting. It's, it's by pairing Goofy with other characters and forcing him to adjust to them rather than to the circumstances that those edges start to appear in Goofy's character. They're, they're, we start to get levels. One of my yeah. big complaints of early Disney cartoons where Mickey, Donald, and Goofy teamed up. I was always excited to see the three, three of them in the same cartoon, but they would immediately split up and go on their own adventures and do their own thing whenever the three of them got together. And here, yeah. Goofy is in such close proximity with two characters who bring out very different sides of him, one of whom is Max and one of whom is Pete. Uh, right, and. Yeah. And you can't stay flat when you're put with characters who really challenge who you are. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's what works so nicely in this movie is, is yes, Goofy would be flat, but he's challenged. Mm. And when you're challenged, you have to change. Interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he is always, I mean, he's in conflict with both of these characters the entire movie because he's in conflict with his son trying to you know be such a good dad and he's in conflict with pete because pete is telling him these are the things you have to do to be a good dad and the way you're doing it is wrong and you need to mm -hmm. do it this way and so yeah goofy is forced to adapt and change and struggles with it because he's not always sure which is the right way it's interesting to see goofy as a parent you know we see him we even get to see him with a little child and, you know, with the squeaky that gets stuck in his throat and the child laughs and whatever. And 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 it's, oh, hey, you're really good with kids. Mm. Um, and and he is. He's great with kids. Right. But what works when kids are little doesn't usually work as kids get older because you're starting right. to look at people as. And so Goofy's sort of stuck um, as this parent who. But then when we when we get to see him with the with the principal, we see him as somebody with real fears. And when he talks to Max and we get to see him as a widower, as somebody who's really lonely. Yeah. And we get to see yeah. him as someone who who even even a character that's not there, his dad, Goofy misses his dad enough to recreate this nostalgia with yeah. his son by dragging him to the you know possum park and all these you know <laughs> all these places because he wants to retrieve memories of what he shared with his dad yeah. and so it's this it, yeah i mean it's bittersweet and tender and it's a side of him we don't yeah it's it's wonderful i mean i love thinking about goofy that way goofy as someone who's known loss uh, yes but I no. see the way he's driving with Max. <laughs> yes. Where where Max has to pull the steering wheel out of the oncoming traffic. And I yes. it raises some questions for me about how <laughs> about how Goofy Sr. and Mrs. Goofy have exited our story. I'm just throwing it, it, it out. Goofy uh negligent. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean, would you leave a baby with Goofy? Mm. Mm. I, I wouldn't leave a I wouldn't leave a ficus with Goofy. <laughs> Nothing. He means well, though. He yeah. means so well. Um, so Max is a teenager. <laughs> I got a house full of those. Sure. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot about Max. I'm, I'm going to throw out that, you know, we have arguably two protagonists in this movie, Max and Goofy. That's by design. Um, mm -hmm. But Max is the character that I relate to far more than I relate to Goofy. Um, because uh, Max, I understand Matt, we have two perspectives of how the world works and of the two Max's perspective of how the world works is much more accurate than how Goofy sees the world work yeah. uh, where Goofy is an idealist Max I think is a realist 
And that doesn't mean that Max isn't a dreamer. I, he has dreams. There are things that he wants. There are things that he's pursuing. But but he has a social awareness that that Goofy definitely does not. Um, he he has clear objectives uh, that 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 he's actively trying to pursue. Um, he's smart. Uh, he's funny. And I have to tell you, uh, he's cool. I mean, you know, as much as he's the nerd at the beginning of this movie, like I would be friends with Max. I would, I would think Max is a (laughs) cool kid. I would want to hang with him. One, One of the interesting things that happened to Betsy and me when we went to Tokyo Disney is a, costume character max came out who i've never <gasps> seen at a park before and everyone went nuts for him everybody made a everyone. beeline it would have been me they were thrilled <laughs> everyone was high five like max was immediately surrounded by like eight teenage girls and posed for a picture with them oh love he, it he's he's a he's a rock star i like he max is. a lot i would have been one of the teenage girls as a grown man <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. And I want to go to Tokyo Disney and see Max. And Max has friends. That's what's interesting. So Max has PJ and he has, um, oh, the Polly Shore character, um, Robert, um, Bobby. So he has those two. He has friends. um, Mm -hmm. But for some reason, he needs to be cool in order to get this girl. And the, the, you know, of course, the lesson he's going to learn is that he can just be himself. And he already, the girl already likes him, right? But he's uh, overcompensating. He is f- absolutely overcompensating because of his own sense of self-worth and worry and concern. Um, one thing that happens, I think, that's interesting with Max, and we kind of get a, a foreshadow again that maybe his relationship with Goofy is not as bad as we think. Um, when Roxanne says yes, the thing that Max does is he says, everybody mambo. <laughs> and it's a callback to the dance that he doesn't want to do in his bedroom with his dad. <laughs> yeah. Right? And so it's like, okay, well, <laughs> like there's, yeah. this, there's this moment where it's like, okay, well, maybe he, dad's not so bad. Or maybe this is what dad thinks. You know, it's good for me. It works for me. And And towards the end of the movie, when... Roxanne and Max are talking again, and he does the laugh like his dad. Right. She thinks it's she finds it like endearing, and and it's really cool to see those those moments together. Right, like the beginning, it was an accidental callback, and he did the laugh, and she liked it, and right, it was just cool to see that acceptance. In, from in both fact, of them. the parts of Max that Roxanne likes the most are the parts of are Max goofy. that are most like Goofy. Yeah, Whereas he absolutely. thinks that running from his goofiness um, will will bring bring her to him. It is in fact the opposite. The things she doesn't like about Max not that not that she intensely articulates this are the things that Max does wrong. Max lies. Max brags. Max, you know, like 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 okay. those those things are not. They don't come from Goofy. That those are Max's flaws. If anything yeah. is gonna if anything is gonna sabotage Max and Roxanne. It's not goofy. It's going to be Max. Max. Right. Right. What I think that's also about Max being a one-note character is like a teenager, right? I mean, teenagers are often in this place of trying to be cool, trying to, you know, prove who they are and doing it by any means necessary. And Max very much leans into that to the point where he is lying and making up stories about his connections to Powerline and all these things. But it's all in service of the same reason. Like he doesn't want to be like his dad because he doesn't think his dad is cool, and so he mm. wants to be cooler than that. He wants to be with Roxanne, and he thinks he has to be cool to do that. And it's also interesting in thinking about like Bobby, Max's friend. Who, if Bobby were just a little bit more put together, he would probably be the cool one. But he's just like one click off of cool, and. <laughs> Max still hangs out with him and still loves him and, you know, hangs out with PJ. But of the three of them, Bobby gives more of the cool vibe um, or at least seems like he wants to be more cool, but he's accepted who he is where Max still has not. Well, Bobby just cares less. 
Right. Yes. Like he cares less. Like if, oh yeah. Okay. The payment is easy cheese. And I'm going to squirt yes. the whole thing in my mouth, you know, like <laughs> right, I do not, ca- like I am caring less about all of this. And interesting, like in contrast with Bobby, we have, you know, and we'll talk about PJ in a second, but you have more, but you, you have PJ who's just terrified of everything. Yes. Well, I just want to bring this back to Max because we can get to PJ in a second. Sure, sure, the sure. One other thing about Max, which is important for a protagonist, is he's struggling with what mm-hmm, is the right yes. thing to do. Uh, there yes. are several points along the way where, where Max knows he's made the mistake, where he knows he's done the wrong thing, where he almost takes back his mistake, but then feels like the only way through is forward. Mm-hmm. Um, this happens again and again. There's one point in the movie where Max and Goofy, their relationship is good. They bonded over the trip. Yeah. Um and and they're pals again. And and Max instinctively knows he sabotaged that. And and you mm-hmm. can you you see him wrestling with it, but ultimately he feels he's in too deep to to come back out. Right. Yeah. Right. Shall, yeah, I mean we- after he makes Goofy turn left and Goofy goes silent again, you see Max kind of make a couple attempts at like, should I start a conversation? Okay, I can't start a conversation. Should I say something? And he kind of gives Goofy a weak smile and Goofy doesn't return it. And you see Max kind of deflate into himself again. Like, damn, I just, I, I messed it up. And yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do. I want us to move to Goofy. And yeah. um, I want to I, I talk about Goofy a bit because... I spend the first half of this movie, I've watched it several times, I spend the first half of this movie so mad at him uh, oh, in no. the way that Max is mad at him. And he's making a shocked face. <laughs> um, oh, jeez. Okay. <laughs> All uh, right. Tell me why you don't like Goofy. Well, right, so here is, here is the thing. Max is right. Goofy is ruining his life. Because oh, as much as Goofy is like, let's go on a road trip, Maxie. He Ma- Max comes home from the last day of school to find out that whatever plans he had for this summer are irrelevant. His dad has made this last minute decision and he expects Max to fall in line. And when Goofy has a problem with Max, as the adult in the relationship, he doesn't say to Max, Hey, what happened at school today? The principal called me. He he plays games. It's all about goofies. He's like, "Come on, Max, we're going on a road trip and you have to be happy about it." Right? It's not how do you feel? It's you need to feel the way I want you to feel. You need to experience things the way that I experience them. Otherwise, you're wrong, Max, and that's what needs to be corrected in you. You're not enough like me. Be more like me. Feel how I feel. Experience what I experience. And what teenager isn't going to rebel against that? Okay. So when you're raising very young children, right? That kind of, hey, when you've got a problem and you feel bad about yourself, you kind of like distract, right? Um That's a technique that Goofy's been using for a long time, I think. And Goofy's also operating out of a big fear, which is, gosh, my kid may be in a gang, and I need to talk to him, and how do I do this? I need to get him out of the situation and figure out what's, you know, what's really going on. So So he doesn't end up in an electric chair. That's right. That's right. And Goofy, I mean, Goofy is... Yeah, I think he's doing the best he can. I mean, of course, he's not very self-aware, and of course, he's not a great communicator, but he's goofy. He's doing the best he can. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, I, I don't I don't mean to imply that he's acting maliciously, but, but he is not making any efforts to understand Max. So no. if you want to go on a road trip yeah. with your kid, and you want your kid to be on board with it, you say, we're going on a road trip, you pick the destination. That doesn't make as good a movie, Andy. <laughs> like, no, like no, the no, movie no, is no. better served by Goofy picking where where he's going. But but consistently, Goofy is picking the stops. Let's stop at this possum place you don't want to stop at. When when Max <laughs> says no, I don't want to dance. Goofy makes him dance. Like when Max says, people are laughing at me and I'm not comfortable. Goofy just 
does not listen to Max to the point that I think yeah. Max needs to act out because otherwise Max won't be heard. There is another character in this movie who is not heard by his father or seen by his father. Right. And, and, and Goofy is marginalizing Max the same way that Pete marginalizes PJ. Right? He's right. doing it in the same way, but definitely for different reasons. I mean, but I think that... I intention mean, it is counts. You're right. Intention versus impact, 100%. And I think Goofy is leaning into, these are the things that my dad did and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I have to do this for my son because that's the only thing that's going to work. And you're yeah. right, he's not making effort to get to know Max and know what he wants because... I think Goofy's also insecure and scared and it's like, well, this is what my dad did to win me over. So I'll just do the same thing and it should be fine. And I think Goofy's flaw is that when he looks at Max, he doesn't see the young man that Max is. He sees the yes. kid from the Goof Troop right. series. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And, why w- and, and, and maybe so do we, right? Maybe if you've grown up with Goof Troop and you see that there's this one little moment and early on in the bedroom where, where Goofy barges in the door and then he says, oh, wait, I forgot. And then he knocks on the door. And he right. goes back and he knocks on the door. And, and so you you know that Goofy's like aware that something's changing, but maybe not exactly aware of what it is. You know, he doesn't know who yeah. Powerline is. He doesn't know who, there are all these things that happen. And 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 there, it, that's just, that happens, Larry. It's sure. going to happen to you. They're going to come home one day and they're completely different people. And Never. Like, what in the world? <laughs> no, no, it's happening. I'm telling you. No. They come home and they're completely Lies. different people. <laughs> oh, wow. You heard it here first. <laughs> I am my son's hero and I always will be. Oh, uh, fair hey, enough. You heard it here first. Fair enough. Fair enough. They want me to live with them after, after they move out. Excellent. Okay, I love it. I love it. It'll be archived. You know, who they you know who they wouldn't want to live? You know, you know whose son doesn't want to live with him uh when he when he, he gets out? Pete. Yes. Pete. Who no one wants Absolutely. to live with Pete. I don't um, want to live with Pete. Uh Pete has a very interesting role in this movie. Um It does. I would say, I I felt like Goofy was the antagonist for the first half of the movie, honestly. Uh, but mm-hmm. Pete, when Pete shows up in that amazing mega trailer, at that point mm-hmm. he definitely takes on the antagonist role. But oh, he yeah. he does it in such an interesting way, which I I don't I don't know how you feel about this. Do you think Pete believes himself to be Goofy's friend? I know Goofy. Yes. Bo- do you do you think Pete is being hmm. a good friend to Goofy in what he's doing? So I think Pete's the kind of guy that likes to be like he's sort of a know-it-all. He is a know-it-all, and he likes to be like, "Oh, I know the way to do this." And he sort of has friends in the way that a bully might have friends. Yeah, he kind of bullies somebody yes. around and says. Oh yeah, well this is the way you do that, and I know the right, right. way to do it. Um, and it's really sort of this posturing that because Pete doesn't know what he's doing either. I mean, it's he a doesn't. Big know how, he doesn't know George how to McFly help. friendship from Back to the Future, right? Yes, yes. And so the visual that you get, but the difference between Goofy and Pete, the visual we get is in the photo studio where. Goofy knows how to make a kid smile and Pete literally has to Velcro a kid and it still doesn't work. And the kid pops out of their diaper and goes running, you know, goes running out away. So like uh, there is this sort of um, he sort of has a, has a fundamentalist view of parenting as opposed to a relational view and Goofy's going to get there. But I think Goofy's fear, I think when you're afraid and a scared parent Sometimes you'll do things, you'll listen to the fundamentalists because they have a, you know, an easy answer for how this parenting thing's going to work. And so Goofy's yeah. like, all right, I want to listen to you, Pete. I want to hear what you have. You know, I'm going to do what you said. And I bet my dad did that. And I bet that's what, you know, and so forgets all about the relationship that he and Max have. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I think I think that's what makes Pete an awful, awful guy. And you just reminded me something, Andy, which I think is yes. really so great. I think Pete is jealous of Goofy. 
Oh, uh, 100%. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think there is a part of Pete that's like, Goofy is better at our job than I am. Um, like, yes. I, I should be able to outdo Goofy at this taking pictures thing, and I can't. And he knows right. it. And I think he looks at the bond mm-hmm. between Max and Goofy, and he is jealous of it. Yeah. Um, that there, there's that whole scene in the in the second half of this movie where Pete reappears and and he's like, Goofy, I, I didn't want to have to be the one to tell you, but the map the the map is ruined. Like your boy's but lying. But he did want to be the one to tell him. He, he absolutely he wants to be the one. That. He absolutely yes. Well, it, yes, one hundred percent. He was like he was joyous about being able to tell Goofy that his perfect relationship with his perfect son was actually flawed and oh, yeah. that Pete was right all along. And that's why I said, like, I do think Goofy, I mean, Pete thinks he is Goofy's friend, but you described it beautifully, Andy, like, in the way that a bully has friends. Because yep. Pete only wants to be friends with Goofy if he feels like he's better than Goofy. And he wants to keep people around him and call them his friends that he thinks he can be better and boss around. But as soon as there's a slight threat he'll back off. Right, right. Or double down and to try to be even worse or try to look for ways to poke holes in, you know, the other person's relationship, which is why he was so excited to tell Goofy about the map being altered. Right, right. You can right. see that excitement when he walked, he began to walk in on, Pete, on, on PJ and Max mm-hmm. and kind of stopped. I feel like there was even like a little half smile almost. That scene was really short, but I feel like he stood there and listened with a smile on his face and couldn't wait to go and tell Goofy what happened. And this is also awesome because all that's done in animation. Yes. The stopping, the I mean, we haven't really talked about that, but just that stop, the hesitation, the concern, mm-hmm. the 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 faces. I mean, th- this is a this is a wonderfully animated piece. Um, let's jump to PJ and talk about him for just a minute. Um PJ starts out just terrified. Everything he says is, my dad's going to kill me. My dad's, yeah. my dad's going to go nuclear. My dad's going to do it. You know, uh, he is terrified of his father. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. terrified. Yeah. And, and so we know. Rightfully. I mean, a kid, yeah. And a kid knows. Rightfully. I think watching this, a kid knows, gosh, if your dad's like this, maybe you have the right to be terrified. I don't want to go too dark with this movie, but. Pete is an abusive dad. Oh, no Verbally no abusive. Question. Oh, uh, no question. So, I, I mean, it, it's just you very clear. And but. PJ, if he's not dealing with it now, he will deal with it later. There's some PTSD happening here. He's hypervigilant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, always, he always, everything is through the lens of what happens when my father comes out. Pete bellows and PJ runs. Um... What what makes Pete a villain to me is even more than than what he does to Goofy in this movie is the fact that he's raising this son, not even raising him. He's he's created the son to serve him. Yeah, Pete, Pete Junior. PJ is is there's no thought as to what's best for him. It's all about what's best for Pete. Yep. Yeah. It's sick. It is it's, sick. It is. And if I have a complaint about this movie. Um, it isn't really that Goofy's a monster because that mo- that's the that's the thing that makes the movie fun. Um, but it really is that there is no resolution to this Pete PJ storyline. Right. That, that yeah. Pete disappears from the movie after he tells Goofy about what Max has done, and we never see him again, and we never see PJ stand up to Pete, uh, and we 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 never. This movie would be better for me if Pete got his comeuppance mm-hmm. or if Pete was humbled or if Pete realized I've really screwed up my relationship with my son and what do I have to do to fix it? Goofy, right? Right. Uh, goes to Goofy for advice on how to be a parent and Pete does none of that and it leaves me thinking that this is just an abusive relationship that will continue to be abusive and that's realistic. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I... I mean, you give it points for that, but it's a real bummer for me because I want PJ, I want PJ to have a moment mm-hmm. of asserting. His, I I want Pete to be proven wrong. Mm. P- 
Pete is wrong, yeah. but but we can't. I don't. I don't like that the movie almost posits. Well, this works for Pete and PJ. It does not. No, it does not work. And no. honestly, PJ doesn't come into his own until the second Goofy movie when they all go off to college. Oh, interesting. And that's when when PJ starts to actually transform into who he needs or who wants to be. Yeah. But then none of that happens in no. this movie. And it does leave this really unsettling. Cause if you never watched the second movie, it is unresolved. And you just know that, you know, Max and Goofy had made up and Max is going to, you know, get to go out with Roxanne still. She forgives him. And PJ is just going to continue existing in this fearful mm. place. PJ doesn't even really get to voice to Goofy or to Max how lucky Max is to have Goofy. Yeah. He doesn't no, even get to he doesn't even get to to say that. Max doesn't even realize that like Max at one point says to PJ, now this is roughing it as if he's jealous of PJ for having Pete as a dad. He is mm-hmm. jealous, he is. I feel like. Uh, but but where is the record? Uh, so that's the flaw of this movie for me. It's a minor flaw. But but for me, the movie would be better for Pete being humbled and PJ well, being exalted. Yes. Well, Pete Pete has everything that Goofy doesn't. I mean, he has the camper and he's got the he's got he the stuff and he's, he's got money and he's got the stuff. That's right. He's more successful than Goofy, and so um, I think sometimes kids look at that and think, "Oh, well, this is better." When they reality, do. yeah, of course they do. I mean, why wouldn't they? They've yeah. been marketed to death, and that's just how it is. So. That's just how it is. Like you want nicer, you want more, and that's right. To Max, Pete has more, and they're having this really awesome like trip in this super fancy camper, and Max mm-hmm. is stuck in this, you know, hatchback looking <laughs> car with his dad. It looks like a pacer. It looks like a pacer to me. And he's like, I'm stuck in this small car with my dad, and you have this really beautiful camper, and like he wants that. Um, and he doesn't, you know, necessarily have to vocalize that he wants it, but we can feel it. Right. And see it. Let's talk about Roxanne. Um I really wish she had more to do than just fawn over boys. <laughs> I do too. And maybe I she do does, well. Andy. Maybe <laughs> she has a whole life going on that we're not privy to. Um, but she does. I ex- hope so. She does. Ex- there, look, there is a lack of female representation in this movie. Yes. Um, and she's as you know nuanced as we're gonna get. Um, she she is Max's crush. Nothing more. There's, I think st- I think Stacy onto her. I think her relationship with Stacy is really sweet. I think that moment where they're in the principal's office and Stacy's kind of pushing her toward, you know, toward yeah. the boy. I mean, I think that's fun. And and um, I think Stacy's really interesting, too, because she's sort of a misfit who become who. I mean, she looks like a misfit, but she's kind of embraced it. And she's inviting the whole school to her house. But the, and, truth and of, so, the truth of the matter is Stacy is the better person to have a crush on than Roxy. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say that, but I was like, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's true. But Roxanne seems like she could be more rounded. Like she could have, she's flat. She right? can be but whoever you want. That on Roxanne. The, the movie doesn't say that about her. We are placing like she could be more rounded. She could be more compassionate. But I think that's us filling in the gaps that yeah. the movie does not. She's I don't super, know that this is a flaw, but I think you're exactly right, Joseph. We project onto Roxanne whatever we would have a crush on. And we assume that that's what Max sees in her. But, but, you know, other than like her, like cute little demure looks, her shyness, what have you. I I gotta say, if you're the kind of person who's attracted to strong personalities, people who know what they want, uh, people who pursue their objectives, I'm team Stacy all the way. (laughs) Oh, geez. Now we got teams. (laughs) You, no, you guys I, can tell me I'm wrong. You guys can tell this, me I'm wrong, this, but if you can't look past the braces, those braces are temporary, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, so Roxanne has this thing where that she does with her dad, which I think is really interesting. And obviously her dad's a bulldog and protective of her, and that's really funny. And yeah. there's this uh, moment where she's like, okay, good daddy, you're good, you know? Like, I, 
I feel like she's in a similar situation with her father that, um, you know, maybe Max is with his. And that they have fathers, then that they have fathers that are maybe just a little, a little embarrassing, a little, you know, have, but their fathers. Exactly. Exactly. That's so smart. Because I I didn't even think of that. I mean, I, until, until you said it, but yeah, her dad is embarrassing her in front of the boy she likes. Just like, like, like Max, how does Max not see it? How does Max not see that, you know? Because Max is this a is self-centered fourteen-year-old boy. Yeah, right. <laughs> he has this idea of this is what you have to have in order to be successful, right? Right. It also I mean, is. I mean, isn't he in his underwear of... when he answers the door? Isn't he wearing? <laughs> yes. Could you imagine? He is. Yeah, he is. I'm pretty sure he is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be mortifying. <laughs> like. Your crush comes over and your dad answers the door in his underwear and you're like... And growls at him. And (laughs) growls at him. It is interesting that her dad is the only character that... I mean, they know we know they're all animals, but he's the only one that is, like, an animal and, like, growls and doesn't have any voice lines. It's kind of interesting to see, like, that decision being made. But it's also interesting that there is... There, yeah, there's very little female representation. There's no, are aren't any mothers, um, which is just, I mean, I know that's in Disney overarching, like, that's just a, a thing, but um, it's just, yeah, it's just interesting to see that lack of representation. Yep. So, protagonist problems. Do we have any protagonist issues? I don't think we do, Andy. Honestly, I, like, I, I know that our default is yes, there's a problem because a lot of our movies have had problems, but I think both Max and Goofy have strong objectives that they're pursuing. Um, you know, I would argue Max is more the protagonist than Goofy is, but mm-hmm. but not by much. But not yeah. by much. Um, no, I, I think this is a, a great example of good protagonist function. I, I'm, it's I'm just such a, a well... It's such a well-written movie. Well-crafted. I, 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 I mean, it, it is, um, gosh, every little moment counts. And yeah. I just, yeah. And, and, and again, um, I think you're, I think you're right, Larry. I think Max is the clear protagonist, but also Goofy needs to make some shifts. And so we sort of have this, it's almost this buddy comedy road movie where we have, you know, everybody's going to change and grow. And I think it's, I think it works. Yeah. It's an odd they couple. Do it well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh it's interesting to see a such a cliched and like basic format for a movie work really well because I think if this movie were made again now, um, we might be over it, right? Like we might be kind of over the buddy comedy, the mm-hmm. road trip. I mean, it's it's very, very much cliche, but they do it in a way that makes it relatable enough and enjoyable enough where. I never found any issues with it. Even rewatching it now, I was like, yeah, this is still a solid movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Music. Are there any standouts? I see what you did there, Andy. <laughs> I see it. Uh, for for me, the, the standout, like that standout song is, mm-hmm. uh, is the standout. <laughs> I, I enjoy that one very much. I could sing along with that. It's, it's an, I want song. You know, mm-hmm. if if we're gonna make the claim that Max is a Disney princess, which which uh, I'll stand by, that's his that's his I want song, mm-hmm. where where um he 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 says that his what his dream is, right. uh, he wants to be special. Uh, I I enjoyed that. Um, I I I don't know. Not of the songs that musically is the one that's most interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh. In previous things, I've said music needs to do something. It needs to talk about the relationship. It needs to move the story along or it needs to be funny. I think the music does that in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think it reveals things about characters. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. That's that. I mean, that's my I, answer. I, I don't know I that would I would say... ever listen to the soundtrack of this, but the music <laughs> does what it needs to do. Jess, if you look like you've listened to the soundtrack of this a couple of times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is what I will say. I so being a black American, 
especially in the 90s and beforehand, like looking for representation anywhere we could get it was just necessary. And I love Eye to Eye because I love Powerline because Powerline was a Black character. Like, mm-hmm. it 100%, like, the dance moves, the, the the dress, the style, like, he was very much, like, a Black, like, pop star, and I was just R&B star, and I loved it. Um, so, yeah, that song always has a special place with me, and I definitely have been, like, listening to it this week as because <laughs> it's just like i love the scene i love the the dancing i love the perfect cast and how he just kind of like watches goofy do it and just picks it up and they're all three doing it together and it just mm-hmm. like uh, i just i get goosebumps even thinking about how cool it is to see something like that be done so well um so yeah eye to eye is definitely one of my favorite on the open road is hilarious and i love that song as well but yeah eye to very eye fun. Is definitely my favorite i think eye to eye also has that prince kind of feel to it um yes, it, def- it feels like prince prince i did call him prince earlier <laughs> because it feels like prince to me i mean tevin campbell is um you know i think that's when he was kind of kind of kind of getting started i mean people knew who he was and then you know yeah. gets gets tapped for this and so it's a great um yeah, it's kind of that great. Um, you're right. It's representation that I'm really glad is there, and um, and he's cool, right? And Goofy is cool too, and so Powerline, Goofy gets to be Powerline, and 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 the two are equated in Max's eyes, and I think that's an interesting yeah. ending to this movie. So, all right, themes. What themes do we see in a Goofy movie? Uh, I mean, this is a family movie. This is father and son uh, generation gap. Um, this is a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very I was going to say coming of age very much. So for both of them, I agree. For both agree. of them, because Goofy yes. is also a child. <laughs> I mean that. I mean, you Goofy. Said oh that. no, 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 no. <laughs> Petulant. He's one hundred percent. He's one hundred percent adolescent. Childish. Yes, and he yes. becomes more of an adult in this movie. At the same time, I think they're both entering adulthood at the same time. Yes, yeah, um, and and I'll I I appreciate that. Um, I mean, this is about fatherhood and paternity. Uh, this this is about this is this I mean, is about friendship. There's friendship, friendship, in there but as it's well. also about independence, right? Like you know, yeah. Uh, individuality, wanting to assert yourself. I think it's also about truth telling and and the importance yeah. of being yourself. Agreed. So and also, I would say consequences because when after Max does decide to tell Goofy to go left, he quickly realizes that he's damaged something and he mm. is hurt by that. And yeah, so I, I don't know. I would say I would throw that in there as well. I. You know what? I want to I want to give Andy best answer on this truth telling because when I think about it, truth telling it, there's a meal to be had here. Yes, Max obviously lies to Goofy, but Goofy is also lying to Max. He's lying to Max about why they're going on the road trip. He's lying. Yeah. He he plays games with Max about like pretending not to know things when he actually knows them. Pete plays games with truth telling. Pete is at his most antagonist when he's telling when he's telling truths to Goofy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like there's this idea because there were these secrets, now it now it can be weaponized. If you don't tell the truth, you've created a weapon that can be used. Yeah, truth telling. Yeah, so that that yeah. is your family feud. Uh, okay. uh, you've stolen it. You've stolen it. Andy, there we go. Come I don't know that I, can, I even got on the board. I, hey guys, I'm right. That's great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pitch time. So there's an extremely goofy movie, and there's Goof Troop, and of course there's a goofy movie. Uh, what do we do with the source material if it's given to ours and we have to create something new? What do you guys think? All right, hmm. I'm gonna go with a prequel. And okay. I want the goofy road trip between young Goofy and his dad. But I no, also want them awesome. to be opposites. I want Goofy to be exactly who he is. 
but I want his dad to be like this academic professor. Uh, uh, maybe from like <laughs> the Boston Goofingtons. Um, you know, like that, that, that what actually happened on that road trip is it wasn't like two goofies yucking in a car that whole time. But, but we have our, we have like, we, we get Kelsey Grammer to play Goofy's father. That's what okay. I want. Okay. And when I, when I do, I see the whole movie that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then the, the move to when they go to the possum, um, what is that? The possum? Lester's possum. Yeah. That, that was possum Goofy. Park. We got to stop that. Dad. We got to stop idea. Dad. We got to stop that. And like, we have like <laughs> Fraser Crane goof going like, and I want to oh, see Lester's really? possum park at its prime, right? Like, I, I do see too. I do too. The animatronics breaking down and like, I, <laughs> I want to see that place as Goofy remembered it. Because clearly yes. that wasn't, well, maybe it was, I don't know. But I do want to see it at its prime. Yeah, so, for so sure. that's that's my answer. I want Goofy and Professor Von Goofington on a road trip. I love it, Joseph. You got one. You know, I I would love to see the other side of it and see Max as an adult and Goofy and them trying to figure out that relationship. So maybe Max ends up with Roxanne. I don't know. But this, like, maybe it's a show, right? Of, like, Max is an adult, and maybe he has his own kid, and, like, Goofy's the grandfather at this point. And Max is dealing with this, like, oh, maybe I'm really in, like, my dad, and, like, now my kid doesn't want to be like me, but I remember when I went through this, and so, like, I need to help him in the same way. So maybe Max is very much struggling with this, and Goofy is the one that is being more... Um, it's doing giving more guidance or something like that. I think it'd be interesting to see that relationship. Oh, I like that a lot. That 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 also leaves Max in his role of being left out a little bit. Go- Grandpa and grandson get along so well, but 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 yes. where where is Max in that? He gets a little lost. Yes, uh, that's a real thing. I like that. I like that a lot. I think that'd be really interesting. Okay, you stole my pitch. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's My okay. Bad. No, I said I also wanted to see Goofy as a grandfather. And I, I think it's interesting when teen, I mean, just for, maybe it's just my, my own desire to, you know, just wait when I sell, like I look at my kids and I'm like, oh, just wait, you know. Um, yeah. But Max is old enough to have his teenagers. And I think when, um, when that happens, um, sometimes grandfathers ally with uh, grandchildren <laughs> in ways mm-hmm. that uh, mm-hmm. make for conflict. With, so maybe that conflict between Goofy as a grandfather is sort of resurrected uh, yeah. with Max because he wants to be Goofy and the grandkids are all about it. And Max is like, no, they have to be whatever. And, you know, yeah. they have to be more like, you know. So, yeah, yeah. I think it might be good to see how this family continues to teach each other life lessons for sure. Joseph, thank you so much for coming and being a part of this. I just yeah, adore thank you for having me. We just adore you, and I'm so glad you're here. And come back sometime, huh? Definitely. Awesome, awesome. What do we got next week, Larry? All right, next week's episode is the Parent Trap from 1961. This is Ooh. the original, starring. I love saying this, starring Haley Mills <laughs> and Haley Mills. Uh, <laughs> I, we just watched this one uh, at at my house. We all loved it. It it oh, holds good. up really well. Yeah, it's a great movie. And of course, Maureen O'Hara and Brian Keith are in there as well. And I would watch Maureen O'Hara do anything. So fantastic. Well, fans, you can find us at our Facebook page, Once Upon a Disney Podcast, and on Twitter at, at Andy Redwine and at Larry Brenner 6. And should you have a pressing question for us to answer, you can always drop an email into our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you really like this podcast, would you tell a friend? We'd really like to have some more friends. We'd love it. Absolutely. So until, yeah. So until next time, friends, we'll see you real soon. See you real soon.